After conversion rate, our favorite key performance indicator to improve is customer lifetime value. And a great way to do that is by adding a loyalty points program to your store. It makes sense. Why not reward customers for choosing your store over others? Loyalty Points from Bold is the first true loyalty points app where customers earn points when they shop and redeem when they buy. It even displays your product prices with points, so customers are constantly reminded to think in terms of earning and redeeming points, creating intense loyalty in the process. Plus, it lets you offer bonus points on certain products to promote them. And it even creates loyalty member tiers that earn or redeem points at different rates, kind of like Costco. You can get an exclusive 60-day trial of loyalty points when you sign up at ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. I never wanted to be a celebrity or a known person. Like, I don't really care. My goal was if I can wake up every day and do good work and that, and, and, and that work spreads to these other two, like more people. Great. Yes. Like that's really, I don't, that's it's smart. Like, that's brilliant for two reasons. You're not putting a ton of pressure on yourself, like with weird expectations. It's laissez faire, but it's in such a altruistic way where it's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to work in public. Essentially, that's what you're doing, like with the podcast, with these conversations. I'm going to work in public. And if that advances people, then wonderful. Mm -hmm. I like that. Right. Right? Right. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Joining me today is Andrew Foxwell, who you may have heard on the e-commerce influence podcast that if I had to pick a... Uh, a favorite e-commerce podcast. I'm going to go with e-commerce influence. It is a, a fantastic show and there's a lot of overlap in our audience. But Andrew has just like this tremendous background with Facebook ads, it, doing it 10 years, which basically means since the beginning of Facebook ads, has an even more incredible network of people. But he started his agency professionally, his consulting service, Foxwell Digital. And I really, I love their website. It is very different um, than most agency sites. It's foxwelldigital.com. I'm a huge proponent of personal branding. This site basically opens with a big photo of Andrew and who I shall assume is his wife. And yes. also my business and also my business partner. And yes. business partner. Okay, cool. Yes. And he has this wonderful headline attached to it. We are social media advisors focused on transparency, honesty, and authenticity. 
I like this because it's like the in social media in agency sites, like they'll make big bold claims. Like mine's like, you're gonna have so much money, your wallet will explode. <laughs> or on like social media agency sites, especially, or you know, are gonna be like, ah, we're gonna drive a truckload of visitors into your website. It's gonna look like Die Hard. Like it's just really outrageous <laughs> stuff. And this is just like, hey, we're we're straight shooters. That's it. Like, what more do you want? So I, I have a, a big appreciation for that. And when you have as much experience as you do, you can get away, absolutely get away with that, that more subtle approach. Plus, you're from Madison. I lived in Wisconsin many years. I love Madison. A wonderful, a wonderful place. Yeah, well, thanks for the comments on the site. I mean, the, the goal of what we were trying to do and what Gracie and I are always looking for is... I am most so sorry of our... I did not recognize you as your business partner. I apologize for that. No, it's all good. I mean, basically, we're looking for our clients to turn into our friends. That's most of the case. Like, most of the times, that's what happens, where we're not going to be, you know, besties, but we but we care enough that we're friends and we're and we are there as advisors to make sure that you can make more money and make, you know, your business more sustainable. And so the brand is about the results that we've had, but it's also about just who we are, right? And you understand, you know, what we're, what's motivating us. Um, and we find, we, we kind of redesigned the site and have found that that backstory just kind of weeds out different types of people. Um, yes. and, and that's fine, you know, and that's, that's where we can be the most helpful. So this site is not designed to convert. It's designed to give you some information. And then, you know, if you want to chat, you know, toss us a line, but I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause we put a, put a lot of time and energy into it. And, um, yeah. And, and, and on the, you know, business side, it is both of us. And a lot of times people see me out there. And so one of the things we wanted to do too, is be very purposeful about having photos of both of us together um, to show that it was us as a unit, as a business unit together. Um, Because Gracie's the reason, I mean, she does a ton of stuff in the business in terms of breaking down um, a lot of the educational things that we do um, helps to clarify that we've had, we did all the training last year in 2018 for uh, John Loomer. We, uh, when I was trying to learn that, for someone who's not familiar to understand like how significant that is when I was trying to learn Facebook ads, you know, say five, six years ago that John Loomer, I was like, this is the best resource for, you know, you've got the basics down. Now you're ready to go from like mo- basic to moderate or moderate to advanced. John Loomer's, uh, his resources, his courses really uh, tremendously helpful in doing that for me. Yeah, it's crazy. We had two th- over 2000 students go through, uh, our programming last year uh, through John's site. And um, a lot of the feedback we got was, you know, your training is so clear and so concise. <laughs> and Gracie by trade is an editor. Uh-huh. So th- this makes a lot more sense. So yeah, but anyway, I appreciate you saying that. You certainly want to appreciate having a good editor in your life as the best writing I've ever produced has always been as a result of having a good copy editor. What's the the current big change that's happening in and I have a, I, my own idea, but what, what's the current big change happening in Facebook ads? Like the, the big factor that's influencing Facebook advertisers? I mean, it's competition, you know, at this point. Um, that's the big, that's the big, I would say, overall umbrella change is, is just increased competition that we see, increased pricing. Um, I had a, an example of a company that in the month of January, they did, uh, they were doing about a, a 2.8 return on ad spend on about $40,000 a month in spend. Things were going really well, great products. Um, and uh, in February, they contacted me because in February, it went down to a 1.8. Um, and they were basically doing the same thing. What happened? 
well, there's a lot of things that happened, um, which we can get into, but competition is probably one of the big ones, right? They uh, had been doing mostly the Facebook news feed, um, a little bit of the Instagram news feed. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, it, it's going, it's, you're going to need to update creative, you know, from a tactical standpoint, much uh, quicker. You're going to need to be conscious of the first time impression ratio as you scale, um, which is a tactical thing at the ad set level. Uh, but it's competition. I mean, that, that's the big change, I would say. I, I would say the other umbrella change, um, which you've talked about on this podcast before, is you your creative has to be good. You, you And I mean, obviously, your site has to be good, too. But um, your Facebook ad creative has to be good. If it's not good... Uh, you're you're screwed. I mean, you're not screwed. It's just not going to work. It's not going to work in a long-term des- uh, fashion. And by good, defining that, what I mean is, it has to be something that's engaging, something that catches the eye, something that something that is going to stop people. Or Facebook calls it thumb stopping. Thumb something stoppers. that I love that something hits. Something that has color contrast to it. Something that has movement to it. Um, a tactical example of this right now is what we call slideshows. So this is the ability for you to take images and put them into a video that Facebook creates for you, and you have a fade in between them, and you can put, you know, they can be on the screen for one to th- one to five seconds, and it basically it it zooms through these images, and you put these in what's you know the old link post format that now you just put a video in and create a slideshow, and so these video link post slideshows are a great example of of something we didn't have a year ago um and you know a year ago everybody was experimenting with tall images we called them three three by two images yeah. essentially they, you know because that they, was a big the idea was on a sorry to interrupt yeah. the, on a portrait typically most a phone a tablet you're going to keep these devices in portrait mm-hmm. mode which is exactly. like the dead opposite of what you know 16 by 9 laptop screen is going to be and right. then it will take up physically more screen real estate. So you wanted the big, that was, I mean, it's a simple, straightforward idea. It's, it's going to just present as a bigger image on the screen. Right. Totally. Yeah. So, so that was a big thing. So now we have, have that as a big part of it. Um, so creative, I, I, maybe it's, maybe it's not even saying that, Hey, it has to be good. Uh, it has to be, you have to be testing new creative. We have a client that we work with and I, I love working with them because it's actually pretty difficult. Uh, <laughs> it's a challenge. And, yeah, and their their products are are pretty cool, but you know it's all about the pitch and how you're kind of presenting them. Um, and they sent me some images of a new gift box that they had for this bracelet set, and it had a photoshopped heart like image on the box. And I was like, this is this doesn't even look real, <laughs> you know. And so the the days of that are over. Um, it, it has to be. And I had them basically take a video on their iPhone of them unboxing it and putting on the bracelets on the. That's it. And I said, just send it to me. I brought it into Facebook, cropped it, and they did 130k in November and December. Now it's the holidays, of course, but you get what I'm saying, right? It's like nothing's really off the table here. Yeah. <laughs> so if maybe it's not the, the goal is like I don't know what good means, then the goal should be like trying as much as you possibly can. I like yeah, tested tune um, mm-hmm. to borrow a, a phrase from drag racing, but I think it's totally applicable to ads. Yeah, tested tune the ads. So just like no. Like a pitch session for SNL, no ideas off limits, and then just try it, it put it in front of an audience and see what it does. Right. Um, I think is, well, our, current, our, our biggest spending uh, client and our, our most successful with Facebook ads takes this approach, and they produce a ton of content, um, which makes it significantly easier. But like, mm-hmm. and I, it's going to depend on your audience, but the, the things we found is 
um, yes, slideshows are doing as well or better than video, uh, yeah. which really surprised me. The and anything. Well, we felt like the common theme is anything that tells a story, and it could be like the briefest thing, or is just like um, you know quick and amusing, and it, it's obviously it's dependent on your audience. Um, those act as thumb stoppers, and then that that gets people's attention and it resonates. So they go, okay, like these are the audience kind of goes, all right, well, like these are my people. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a new um, a new uh, lens through which I've been looking at ads. Is like, if I look at this, do I go like, yeah, yeah, like these are my people. I get along with these guys. Um, I think that that can help uh, that approach. So you said earlier you mentioned a, a phrase I wasn't familiar with, um, first time impression ratio. Mm-hmm. Break that down. Yeah. For me. So yeah, absolutely. So first time impression ratio. If you've never looked at this, this is one of these things that you look at it and you're like. This is insane. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you go to a, a, an active ad set, okay? And you can roll over when you're in the ad set, or excuse me, like you're in the Facebook ad manager. You're at the, the screen where there's the menu, like, or there's, you know, all your campaigns are displaying. And under the delivery column, it says delivery, and then there's it says active usually, and then it says initial learning complete, or it says you know it'll say if it's in the learning phase, it'll say learning phase and process or whatever. If you scroll down at the there's if you roll over that, there's a little menu that pops up, and you can click and and it says see delivery insights. And if you click on see delivery insights, it's all, so first time impression ratio is under delivery insights, and you you can Google this too, and it'll pull it up and describe it more. But what the delivery insights shows you is over a certain period of time, that ad set, uh, how much it's spent, what the CPA is, what the purchases are, what the impressions are. And then you can look at uh, what they call audience saturation. You can look at uh, activity history and you can look at auction overlap and you can look at auction competition. And so what you're really looking for is on the first, it loads as default on the first tab, audience saturation is that first-time impression ratio. And the first-time impression ratio is the percentage of your daily impressions that comes from people seeing your ad set for the first time. So if you're like, this answers the question of, oh, I feel like this is dying. You know, this is what... So the, like, to put it a a practical example, you have Mm -hmm. an ad, it's working for, say, three, four weeks, and then suddenly the return on ad spend starts dropping on that ad. What's happening? You know, what went wrong? And oftentimes it could be, well, it, we say audience fatigue. Right. Right. And this, so it sounds like um, first-time impression ratio, tra- tracking that is a way to tell if you're uh, running into audience fatigue. Just too many people have seen this ad. Right. So, so a tactical example of this, which is very common, is if you've run into this, you have, let's say, 1% look like running. Okay. So, and you're running it under conversion ads. Now, we have to break down the fact that all of these different objectives reach different groups of people. Okay, so so conversions, generally, conversions as an objective in the United States reaches between 10 and 15% of a total audience, okay? So you'll have a one, a typical example of this is you'll have a 1% look like running, and it's doing really well, and then you, and it's like one to two weeks, and it's doing good, and then you're scaling it, and then the, you start to notice your frequencies going up, and you're like, I don't understand, I'm spending more. I've only reached 400,000 people even though this audience size is 1.2 million and my frequency is at a three. Well, what Facebook's telling you is, hey, there's no more converters in this baby. So 
if you go in and look at the first time impression ratio, that's a way to say too. You'll notice it'll say, you know, day one it'll be like ninety percent. That our first time they've never seen an ad from you. Maybe you're not excluding things properly, so it's like in the ninety range. Then it then it'll go very quickly depending on how much you're spending. I mean, it's very common to see you know a, a gap of in a fourteen day window from ninety percent down to a twenty percent. And sometimes you can that twenty percent is still enough. Right, and it'll serve that enough. Um, but you either need to, and if, and you know, maybe your results are going to stabilize there, which is uncommon. But maybe that it'll happen. What you, what this is telling you is, you either need to change the creative, or you need to up the audience. So an audience that has a bigger size, so a three percent or a five percent look like right. of whatever, there's going to be more converters in there because it's a bigger audience. And the more that your creative resonates with the broadest segment of that audience the better off you're going to be from a first-time impression ratio. And the gold standard that what you're looking for is a first-time impression ratio running to a, let's say, a 3% or a 5% lookalike. It's going to be running, and it'll stabilize at like 40 to 50%. And it'll always be about 40 to 50%. And, and that's, mm. you know, that's common. And that's not something I knew, by the way, when I first discovered this like six months ago. But I've seen this now where it stabilizes at like 40 to 50%. And, it'll, and you know, it's saying, all right, you know, we're always finding kind of new people in that, in that audience size. And as you scale, inevitably, of course, you're going to have to change creative. But then it can kind of reset that, too, for the first-time impression ratio with the creative. So tell me... Um well, for for the newbies, uh, could you qu- give us a just a, a quick overview on what a lookalike audience is? So we're, we're just doing like one hundred level stuff here. No, no, that's fine. So so a look. Let's. There, it's actually important to mention. So one of the things that a lot of people um, think about when they think about lookalike audiences. So lookalike audiences are the ability for you to create audiences based off of two different things. There are two different categories of lookalike audiences. There's what I call static lookalike audiences, which are based off of your email list, and they're based off of a list, a previous customer list, that you have downloaded a CSV or whatever, and you have uploaded that into Facebook. That does not dynamically update itself, right? It's like it's connected and it's there. Then there's what we call dynamic lookalike audiences, which are based off of a pixel so or a pixel event. So you can base them off of your purchase event, you can base it off of an add to cart example. Those are popular examples of lookalike audiences. And this is finding people in a 1% to a 10% range, which is 1% to 10% of the US population or whatever the population in the country that you are of uh, the people that look like most like the people on that list. So if you had a 1% lookalike of purchasers over a 30-day period, it would be 1% of the U.S. population that looks most like the people that have purchased on your website in the last 30 days. And the reason that it's dynamic is the more that purchases come through the door, that lookalike audience is going to self-regenerate every 72 hours as long as it's in use. So that's why, generally speaking, dynamic lookalike audiences i.e. based off of a pixel, are going to be better because they're regenerating more often, right? Um, However... Let me ask you a technical question there. Yeah, 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 yep. If, let's say I'm using, um, uh, like a lot of, you could. there's a lot of ways to do this, but Klaviyo, uh, for example, you can have a list or segment of people, so you can say, all right, here's my VIP, let's say I've got a big business, here's my VIP list of customers who have spent either repeat purchasers or have spent more than $500 with me. I can now automatically, and say there's a thousand people on that list because we need a minimum of a hundred for a lookalike audience to work for our source data. Um, I could 
have that automatically sync to Facebook as yep. an audience. So at like a couple, you know, someone new gets in the segment, Clavio will push that to Facebook. Um, will that not update the same way as if I was just using um, the Facebook Pixel event? Like, yes, it, yeah. it will. Oh, go ahead. So, so I'm really glad that you mentioned this because there's a couple different things to say there. One is, um, one of my favorite things on podcasts is when people are like, I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> uh, so, that's, a, that's, a, yeah, so, that's a great yeah. question. Yeah. Brilliant question. Let's unpack So, that. yeah. Uh, so what happens is, so that's, that's technically what, it's like a hybrid of the two. It's a static dynamic audience, right? Because it's, it's a synced through, Cla- it's synced through Clavio and it, uh, it updates like dy- a dyna- dynamic one. So the answer to that is yes, it will operate like a dynamic one, which is great. And here's an interesting thing that I'll say, which is, one of the things that we'd done for a long time is we had taken um, previous customers as a loyalty play or people that, you know, on the email list and utilized the previous customer in a loyalty, you know, sense of telling them about new products via Clavio Sync, right? So somebody buys, they get added to that list and we're showing them products of that, you know, we're trying to upsell them, whatever, cross sell. Then another common thing that you saw people do would be um, taking the email list. So you're just targeting the whole email list. Targeting that I have seen that's been very creative lately has been can, in specific reference to Clavio automatic sync, okay, is taking people that have gone, gotten onto the welcome flow and matching the deal from their welcome flow email and the copy to the Facebook ad, which some people are like, Andrew, I've been doing this for years. If you have, that's <laughs> awesome. Because I, I never, I never really thought about it, separating it that way. And then taking people that had are on the email list but haven't opened the email in the last two months, taking people that have are heavy openers, and basically segmenting these out, winbacks in a way that you we thought about audiences before, but utilizing that Clavio audience sync. And so that's a fun, that's a fairly easy thing to do. It doesn't have to be a bunch of money either because, you know, it's not a ton of people in those audiences. I mean, unless you're a massive company. So you it's can kind of... It's a remarketing audience. Yeah. It, based well, I mean, off where people exactly. are in my email automation sequence. Right. And you're just matching those things between them. And then, of course, lookalike audiences off of that are a great thing. The big thing that you're trying to always accomplish in scaling or growing an account is tr- you're trying to diversify the audience types that you have from a prospecting standpoint. An issue that you run into or that I've certainly run into that I've heard others and I know others have run into based on auditing, you know, like over 200 accounts in last year is people get overly dependent upon one type of lookalike audience or one type of audience. And so they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm really, I do a lot of purchase 1% lookalikes. Okay. Really what you're looking for is you want purchase 1% lookalike. You want a purchase 3% lookalike. You want to try an add to cart lookalike. You want to try interests of competitors broken out into their own ad set. You want to try um, static lookalike audiences, lookalikes of your email. There is going to be some overlap there, but it's they're different enough that you want to try to see which ones are going to bring different types of people in and what the cost differences are between them. So it's a diversification of lookalike audiences so that when one audience hits that first-time impression ratio and it's declining, you're not like, oh my God, what do I do? My ads are dying. You have other options in your arsenal. Right, yeah, anytime to make it, to add stability and reliability to your business, you want to look at all, you know, the entire thing as a machine. That's a uh, Beef Brody from Tactical Baby Gear always says, it's a machine, don't break the machine. So as part of that, 
you want to look at all those components and figure out like, all right, what's the mission critical stuff? Well, a successful lookalike audience is mission and the data source for that is mission critical for to drive the ads. The ads are, are critical to get to drive the revenue and pick up new customers and get repeat purchases. So having a backup plan in the form of, all right, multiple working lookalike audiences we can roll through or run simultaneously, however you want to break it down, um, is, is a pretty brilliant way to further stabilize an already successful business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, US-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. Uh, okay, so it sounds like the, the big thing we're worried about is really... Facebook ads are an arms race. You know, and mm-hmm. more people are going to get on the platform. More people are going to spend more as they get more successful, and more people are going to get better at it. And at the same time, to provide a great experience on the platform, Facebook is has less ad real estate in the newsfeed and then tries to balance that with new ad placements. Um, so you have like a supply and demand issue going on. Um, and the end result is ads cost more than ever to run. And you're saying, mm-hmm. okay, we have to optimize for campaign budgets. And you're saying, um, you've given us some options to do that. So like, let's we could show successful ads to different people. We can really laser focus our offers by matching them to um, our email automation offers and use remarketing, which is uh, less expensive. Um, we could we need to get we need engaging creative thumb stoppers. We want to keep an eye on that first time impression ratio. What else? Is there anything else? What else can we do to optimize our campaign budgets in Facebook? There's definitely some more tactical things, but one thing that's important to mention as it relates to optimizing campaign budgets is the new feature that Facebook has that it's going to be mandatory in September of 2019 called campaign budget optimization. Uh Uh-oh. Mandatory feature. All right. What are we in for? So what this means is basically you set the budget previously at the ad set level, and you can still do this. What campaign budget optimization does is it allows you to put multiple ad sets in a campaign, which you normally would do, and instead of setting the budget at the ad set level, you set it at the campaign level, and Facebook spends that overall budget proportionally based on where the performance is working really well within those ad sets within that campaign. So it's it's maybe we'll spend, you know, if your budget's $500 a day and you have five ad sets, it may spend $400 of that on one ad set one day um, and a hundred across the others. Now walk me, walk me through a working example and like, just tell me why it's doing what it's doing. Cause I didn't get it. (laughs) No, yeah, no, it's all good. So basically what happens is let's say you have an ad, let's say you have four different ad sets okay and you've and those ad sets have uh, one of them is let's say it's a prospecting ad set and one of them's a purchase lookalike one percent purchase lookalike the next um, ad set is an email list lookalike the next set is an add to cart lookalike and, and the other ones uh, you know a page view lookalike okay so that's what you have set up all right um, you instead of setting the budget at each of those, which you know traditionally whatever your budget was, you would have said, okay, each of these ad sets is twenty five dollars a day. 
Now Facebook is saying you set the budget at the campaign level at $100 per day. And Facebook spends the budget to those ad sets based on how they are performing. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically saying you it's it could one day spend all $100 on the purchase lookalike because the purchase lookalike is getting the best CPMs, click-through rates, you know, uh, relevant scores, um, everything else. It's, it's, you know, and it, Facebook's like, well, this is where you're most likely to get the conversions. So it's going to spend all the budget on that one ad set, or it's going to spend it on one or two ad sets. Um, now you can set minimums as well for each of these ad sets. So if you don't like that, it could go all into one ad set. You can say to Facebook, I want to make sure that this ad set per day spends $20 because I know that it's going to work. So you can set these minimums. But generally speaking, at a high level, this campaign budget optimization, the reason that it's Facebook likes it and why advertisers are liking it right now is that it's it, it optimizes and makes your life a lot easier. Normally, what you would have had to do is you would go in and you would look at the ad sets and you'd be like, oh, this is doing pretty well. And you'd turn some up and you'd turn some down. Right. Now you put all these ad sets into one and Facebook, you just give it a budget and Facebook's like, all right, well, I'm just going to do this. And then it kind of automatically optimizes it for you. And over a few days, after the first few days, you'll, you'll notice that um, you can shut off some of those ad sets that maybe aren't working. And then it's only going to force the spend into those ones that are working. And it's going to, you know, basically fluctuate the spend based on performance. It sounds like a net good thing, right? They're saying, uh, like, hey, it, uh, it, it's budget allocation automation. Um, it sounds like it works, and it works well enough, and people like it, that come September, um, we're gonna, they're just saying, all right, everybody's got to use this. No questions asked. Yeah, and I so I think it's it's a couple different things. I mean, yes, it does work really. It does work pretty well generally. The thing that's hard about it is one, I don't like levers being taken away from Facebook advertisers, so that's really hard for me personally because I think we should have more control than less. Um, but you do have those you do have those minimums, those budget minimums, which will be help, which are helpful. Um, and generally, it is a good thing because it's Facebook saying, "Oh, okay, this is how we're going to you know fluctuate your spend and just make it the most effective that it possibly can be." The thing that you want to be careful of is that if you're thinking about trying this um, or you want to give CB, it's CBO is what people are calling campaign budget optimiz- optimization, giving this a shot, you want to try making sure that you're separating your prospecting and your remarketing. Don't put prospecting and remarketing in the same CBO because they operate very differently. Your remarketing will always work better, right? Then if it's, if it's pitted against a prospecting ad set because those people already know you. Um, so make sure you're separating that out. Uh, and then you want to make sure that you're you're being conscious of giving it time. A big theme in CBO optimization is patience. Um, there have been a number of colleagues that have run tests. I just ran a test uh, myself in a big account um, where you have the same thing set up in a CBO and the same thing in not a CBO. <laughs> so you have the same audience as you're targeting. And right out of the gate, the, C- the campaign budget optimization one always looks worse because it's learning. But then over time, it, it does deliver generally more stable performance. Um, so you just have to be patient and let it kind of do its job. Uh, and then uh, you'll, you'll generally see a more scalable, um, predictable result based off of that. Okay. So, all right. I, I, yeah, I get the point. I get where you're coming from. Um, it's like, eh, I don't like when people take away my my free will of choice here 
Um, but I think overall they're saying, listen, we just don't want – it's in everybody's best interest if advertisers don't waste their money. So we're just going to try and try and fix that for you. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, any other campaign budget optimization um, discussion ideas before I – and we've gone long, but I there's one other thing I want to talk to you about. No. The, if you have questions on CBO, you can email me. It's just Andrew at Foxwell digital.com um, i'm happy to, to to send more information about it, it it's new it, it's i wouldn't say it's 100 percent proven yet but it is generally working better um and it will make your life easier hopefully um so that so that's all i'll say about that cool um okay the in my notes i said uh i had written down to ask you about social proofing what the heck yeah. is social proofing yeah, so th- so this is one of the things that I think is a theme of the last really two years, especially. Um, and and if you've not done this, it's a huge game changer. So social proofing is the idea that, first of all, ads that have more likes, comments, and shares, more discussion, generally get treated better in the algorithm because Facebook is seeing that there is a discussion taking place on the comments of that ad. And if you think about you know you shopping online. On Facebook and Instagram, you look at the comments. If you've never heard of a brand, you're going to look and be like, you know, what do people think? And so if people are saying, hey, it's great. I mean, it's just like the concept of reviews. You're going to click further, right? So so what social proofing is, is you basically, instead of when you create multiple ad sets to multiple audiences and you're duplicating them and it's creating the same ad technically, right? They're, they look the same, but technically they are different ads. Um, with different post IDs, the idea of social proofing is you create one ad, and then you go into the your you know there's a number of different ways that you can do this. You can use the page posts tool within Facebook Ad Manager um, to pull out the post ID. You can also go if you go through let's say create a one percent lookalike, an ad under one percent lookalike of purchasers. You go into the ad level, you hit the preview button. And then in the upper right-hand corner of that preview, it says view on desktop or, you know, you can whatever it says, like you can view on your mobile, view on desktop, view it on desktop. And then in the URL, it has a it says facebook.com, blah, 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 slash ads. Da, da, da. And the, the number at the end is your post ID. So you can copy that post ID number as you're building out the other ads. And instead of building a new ad, you hit use existing post. This is pretty nerdy stuff. <laughs> and you copy that post number in there. And okay. what this means is then you're utilizing the same ad across all of your prospecting ad sets, which is going to aggregate the social proof, which then automatically gives you an advantage on the relevance score and the CPM pricing and the costs because you're bringing all of that into one. So if I'm running the same – so I, number one, I want engagement on an ad because yes. Facebook sees that as positive. And I know like certainly – well, I do this. I don't know if other people do it. Like you see that ad and part of – sometimes part of what makes it a thumb stopper is if I see like, oh, it has you know 100 comments. One, morbid curiosity because I – you know I, I, the just like insane vitriol people throw in ads occasionally amuses me. Um, so check it out, and you know, say if you see an ad that's got like a ton of you know likes, hearts, haha's, and you know that nonsense, you're like, all right, maybe I should check that out. So it makes sense that Facebook wants, you know, it makes it more natural part of your timeline. Facebook wants engaging content for people. So what you're saying is, all right, I'm running the same ad in multiple ad sets, and I want you don't want to lose all the the comments and likes on that. So there's a way to duplicate it. 
Correct. Okay. Yep. Got it. And there's actually now there's a feature that that finally we got through actually as Facebook advertisers were pretty excited about that if you duplicate an ad set you're in the ads manager you hit the button that says duplicate it'll it there's in some cases now a box that shows up and says um, use the same post ID <laughs> and it'll automatically do this for you so it's basically pulling the same ad you've already created because this social proofing is so important um, so. It sounds a little complicated, but it's not. You just pull the post ID, hit that use existing post when you're building out new stuff and and hit at the ad level and just copy that number in there and it'll pull it up. And uh, in, yeah, it just brings it all together and, you know, that's a good place to have conversation. Um, you know, there's a there's a company that we uh, work with that's a deodorant company. They get a lot of comments. It's it's like a natural deodorant. It's, you know, they promise it won't give you... Uh, they don't promise, but they say basically it's like sensitive skin, et cetera. So this is a thing that a lot of people deal with. And the comments on this are obviously it's like, I don't think it's going to work, you know, <laughs> da, da, da. And what the ads have turned into is they've turned into their own version of, you know, a stamped or a Yachtpo review. I mean, the, the people are posting photos of their armpits in the comments of this thing. <laughs> and the, the ads are converting really, really well because it's validating that this is a big deal. And so by the time that people get to the site, it's like game over. I mean, you know, it's already been, they've, they're already in, right? Because they read the comments. So this is a very powerful concept that I don't think a lot of, you know, certainly if you aren't doing this and, and you um, want, and you have good social proof, right? You, you feel confident in that. This is a great concept. It's going to really help your ads go further. How do, how do I make it happen? Like, what do I got to do to get that engagement? Well, there's there's a couple of different things you can do. One is you can just run it initially, um, and just and, and and social proof it across some different ads and and or audiences, and then it'll build social proof on its own. The other thing that you can do is you can take that post ID and start a page post engagement campaign to previous customers in your email list, oh, or you know okay. just previous customers. And you can launch it at previous customers too, so that people see it and they're like, "Hey, I just got these." Love it, right? Working great, looking that's great. That's very clever. And so that's something that we've done as well, where you can build that social proof on it. Um, a, a common thing, let's say, you, let's say you're new. One thing that we'll do is if it's like a new product with some clients is um, we will take the creative and then we'll do that to a super wide audience at a, at a higher budget, $100, $200 a day ad set budget. And we'll do it to you know every woman in the US, 18 to 45, excluding email list, page views, purchasers, et cetera, anybody that has anything to do with us. And um, what will end up happening a lot of times, if your creative is good, is you'll, you'll notice a big tagging stream. People are tagging friends, tagging, yes. you know. And then you can you can social proof it for like 72 hours, and then you can take that in and use that in prospecting, and it automatically gives you an advantage in the algorithm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, I really like that one. Because I've always, you, you see, certainly see those ads, and they work, where they're just like, just so many comments and likes, and they they get more attention and Facebook gives you a, a algorithmic advantage to it. So no, having like beyond just you know, spending a bunch of money and just having a uh, a naturally engaging and inherently engaging ad is is one thing. But having these very specific tactics on okay, here's how you can accelerate engagement on those ads is just a a, a tremendous value bomb for us. Let me let me do one. Can we do one more question? Yeah, absolutely. All right. In terms of scaling, you had said you should scale horizontally 
not vertically. This is in the pre-interview. You'd said that. So define for me, A, what is scaling horizontally and vertically, and then B, why do I want to do horizontal versus vertical? Yeah, totally. So vertical scaling is um, just increasing the budget on a small amount of audiences and hoping that that's going to help you scale. Um, so it's being overly dependent upon one thing. Horizontal scaling is multiple pitches to multiple audiences using multiple, many sometimes uh, objectives as well, um, to spread out as much as you possibly can. So instead of being overly dependent on a 1% lookalike of purchasers, you want to, this gets to what we talked about with audience diversity. You want to try maybe not lumping all of your interests together, but maybe you want to try interests broken out by ad set. So you would take, let's say I'm, I'm Patagonia and I take, I've been targeting North Face and Columbia and L.L. Bean, you know what I'm saying? And instead of that, what you do and lumping all those in an ad set is you would separate those into their own ad set. So an ad set targeting only L.L. Bean, an ad set targeting only North Face, et cetera. That is a horizontal scaling methodology. And you're going to speak to those people differently than you would be speaking to potentially your previous purchasers. An ultimate example of horizontal scaling is lookalike audiences by product type. So, for example, you're somebody that sells pants and shirts. Many times what you're going to do is you're going to have a previous purchaser lookalike and you're going to run ads for pants and shirts to those people. What you'd really want to do is you'd want to do an ad set to lookalikes of people that have purchased pants and have ads that feature only pants and then a lookalike of people that have purchased shirts and if you have an ad that only features people that have, sh have bought those shirts, right? And then you want to have an ad that has different styles of pants and different styles of shirts that you've not previously talked about and launch those to the people that have previously purchased those particular products. And so you can see what I'm saying here. You're basically spreading things out from an A from an objective standpoint, really, you're you know you're utilizing a lot of conversions, but you may also be using dynamic product ads. So you'll be using catalog sales as an objective. You'll be not only from a remarketing standpoint using catalog sales, but you'll be using broad match dynamic product ads and doing those and spreading those out. And you'll also be utilizing um, different creative types. You may not just have a link post with slideshows running. You may also have carousels running. You may also have um, Instagram story ads running, right? So it's a it's a diversification of what you have uh, running in terms of audience and creative and pitch. So That's we've got, scale. yeah, I, I absolutely makes sense um, that we want to go um, broad in all of our touch points and sources and audiences that those touch points are exposed to, as opposed to we have you know a, a like single effective audience instead of touch points, and we're just going to double down on that over and over until we've exhausted it. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's exactly what you're looking for. So horizontal scaling is how can I spread this out and how can I make different pitches to different types of people in different times? Uh, lightning question. What are your favorite resources for staying on top of the Facebook ads game? Well, I, I mean, one is um, uh, the, looking at John's sites, always helpful. Um, reading it. I mean, Twitter is honestly the most useful thing Who do you follow for, on Twitter? for me. Um, I mean, I follow a lot of Facebook advertisers. So uh, if you start following me at Andrew Foxwell, you'll inevitably start to see these people. Um, there's a gentleman named David Herman, Herman Digital. 
uh, who's a, a fantastic follow on Facebook ads. Um, there's a gentleman online named Gil David, um, who's the community manager for one of the biggest Facebook ad buyers groups online. Um, uh, there's, uh, you know, I think watching the Facebook case studies is another one that I like of what people are coming out with because those are actually fairly rapidly produced. Um, uh, so that's big. Um, and then, yeah, follow, I mean, if you start to um, get onto Twitter and start to look at the, you know, Facebook ads chat hashtag, you'll start to see other people that are on there. There's a gentleman named Tim Halloran that I, I follow, um, who's a, a friend and a colleague. Um, and Tim, you know, the people you want to follow are the ex- people that are executing on campaigns. And so many of the people that have big blogs or otherwise are not necessarily those people. That's why John sets himself apart. John is an, John actually executes on campaigns. Um, and so once you get on there and read his stuff, that's going to start to spark it your mind. The most helpful thing, if you're really trying to get into Facebook and you want to go much higher level, John has the Power Hitters Club, which is a, a group online um, that has all the trainings I've done in the last year on there. That's really good. And that's something that I utilize a lot. Um, but there's a lot of free groups, too, that are Facebook ad groups. There's uh, Susan Wenigrad, who's a great follow on Twitter as well. She has the Facebook Ads Betterment Society is the name of her group. And that's that's good <laughs> that's because good it's, it's, a, it's you know, it's how to make it better, right? And that's a free group. So there's a lot of good resources in there um, to check out as well. Um, but okay. Those are some of, my, some of my favorite things. So I will link in the show notes. Uh, we're going to link to, of course, your site, John Loomer's site, uh, which is a lot of great training. Your Twitter. So we're going to follow. We're all going to follow you and look for those retweets. <laughs> nice. Yes, and I already follow you. The and then the Facebook ads betterment society Facebook group. Yes, found it. Yeah, yeah. And if and if you want another one that's really direct response focused, that's very very heavy. Um, there's a group called e-commerce heavyweights that's free. Uh, as well, and that's run by a group out of Australia, and that 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 can get pretty pretty nerdy. But you might want to be, you know, might find that interesting too. Uh, it's run by a, a buddy of mine named Scott and his colleague D. I will include that in the show notes as well. And I just applied to join e-commerce heavyweights. <laughs> Boom! I love it. That's a, I love the name, and that, that sounds cool. Okay, final question: Where can we go to learn more about you? Well, at the beginning, talked about um, foxwelldigital.com. That's the best way. Um, you can always email me at andrewfoxwelldigital.com, and you can check out my Twitter as well at, at Andrew Foxwell. Um, ironically, and if I do not keep up my Facebook page um, that legit that much, um, but the, uh, the, the Twitter children, the, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, I've got a, a sad 300 something likes on my own Facebook page. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same way, but. No, I invest the time. Really, like my fo- for Facebook, my focus is that Facebook group. I, I love it. Yeah, if you're not in the Facebook group, just search unofficial Shopify podcast and join. We would love to have you. And of course, Shopify partners and Shopfolk are, are welcome as well. All right, Andrew, I have so much to process now. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. 
You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com slash turbo and use code podcast20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com slash turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial ShopifyPodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.